Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, part of the amazing FBA podcast family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, a subset of the amazing FBA podcast uh, family that is there for six, seven, and even eight-figure Amazon sellers. So today we are talking about stocking uh, restock limits on Amazon and stock management with Chelsea Cohen. Chelsea is the co-founder, along with Dan Fernandez, uh, founder of Thomason.com, of uh, so Stocked, which is an inventory management software for Amazon sellers by Amazon sellers. Unless you think yet another software, yesterday completely unprompted in a group that I'm a member of, some serious seven and eight forget Amazon sellers, the question was asked, which is the best inventory management software out there? And somebody unprompted said, So Stocked. So you're in good hands here. Chelsea, welcome to the show, first of all. Yes, thank you uh, so much for having me. I'm glad we uh, have been able to get on and talk about this. Absolutely, yes. Some people let you suffer, you know, incredibly busy running uh, successful businesses and expanding the businesses. But this is a really important topic to me. I, I think apart from financial management, this is probably the least well done and therefore the biggest kind of problem slash, if you get it right, the biggest opportunity for Amazon sellers out yes. there. What are your thoughts about why does this even matter? I mean, it sounds a little bit obscure. Nobody loves stock management because it involves a lot of not only money like financial management, um, yeah. but also moving widgets around the world, which I personally find very stressful and, and tricky. <laughs> it's not sexy, but why should we take the time and energy to deal with this? Yeah, because, you know, I mean, the, the first the first time I started getting into really focusing on inventory control was when I realized that my margins were shrinking. So it was me identifying things like stockouts, you know, and overstocking, storage fees, all of those things were things that I could control. There's some things you can't control, things like, you know, competitors dropping their price, Amazon raising their fees, but inventory management is something that you can control. And the amount of money that I have seen people make and save because they've been able to stay in stock or avoid expensive air shipments. You know, it's a lot of money and that is money that you could put back into investing in new products or into marketing. And so if you don't get it right, it will be just a slow atrophy for your business and really lower the value of your business. Amazing. Well, those are really powerful reasons. So by the way, folks, if you hear a bit of a clacking on the keyboard, I'm taking notes as ever. If you want to see the notes, go to 10kcollective.com and you'll you'll you know get some pointers there. So obviously it's really important and I love the fact that you pointed out it's under your control. Now <laughs> if if Amazon's involved, I guess it's not entirely under our control. So we need to dig into that that phrase a little bit more. The next basic question for those listening or watching is who is this relevant for? Um because obviously you're Amazon focused, right? So uh, is it just for Amazon private label sellers or, or who, who should be listening to this episode? Yeah, I mean, you know, Amazon, we're going to talk about a couple of things. We will talk about restock limits, which is specific to the Amazon seller. And that is something that's specific to, you know, anyone who sells on Amazon, whether private label, wholesale, retail arbitrage, that side of things. But then we're also going to be talking about just, you know, inventory management and inventory control in general, you know, as well as logistics and global logistics and how to kind of be a little bit ahead of global logistics. So if you're importing at all, or, you know, if you work with inventory at all, it's something that you'll need to understand. So I think those are the kind of the, the areas that this touches. 
Great. So I think we're going to split things into two uh, pieces, one of which I think is more relevant to Amazon sellers, right? The Amazon restock limits. And then we're going to talk about in a, a separate episode, if you're listening to the podcast, it'll be separate and Facebook Live in about, I don't know, 25 minutes if we get round to it, or if not, we'll record it another time, which is all about the calculations of future stock needs and stock tracking, which is, I think, for anyone with inventory, really essential. And actually, I would argue that if you're a retail arbitrager who's never imported in their life and they're selling on eBay still need to be able to have the same skill set right but let's let's dig into the amazon thing first i mean why why do we need to deal with this and and how i guess with the, the how the why questions actually been answered let's get into how how do, how do we actually do this because you mentioned stock management's under your control unlike competition coming in well yeah but not when amazon's involved so uh, how do we start yeah. approaching this yeah i mean really the first thing you know comes to that you need that you need to start planning things. There's, you know, there's the, the problems that people have with not, with having trouble getting things into Amazon. And then there are the problems with, you know, with, with stocking out and what that does to your restock limits. So, you know, both of those are actually the same problem. And so stocking out is a huge reason why people are having so much trouble with restock limits. You know, they're either stocking out or they're at risk of stocking out. So there are, you know, two main reasons people actually do stock out. One of them is what we call what we call putting all your eggs in one basket. And the other one is marketing in a vacuum. So, you know, we'll, we can talk about both pieces of that. The putting all your eggs in one basket is just something in terms of letting letting someone have all your stuff. So, you know, I developed a golden rule. Don't ever let anyone have all your stuff. More people stock out because they let someone have all their stuff. What that means is they put everything on a boat or, you know, if they're not, not importing, they put everything on, you know, a less than truckload shipment. They put everything on a pallet, send it in a, in a truck, the truck drops the trailer off at Amazon and leaves it and it sits there and it doesn't get unloaded. And so you've got all your stuff on this truck that's not even being touched. And that's how I learned that the hard way. Christmas, you know, one year I was, you know, I got there a couple of days late past the deadline and it sat in a truck and they lost my inventory until after Christmas when they found my inventory and then stocked it. But of course, you know, you miss out on all those Christmas sales. So the, the solution to not letting anybody have all your stuff is, you know, if I could send most of my stuff in that trailer, but keep some inventory behind so that I can then, if I need to, send small parcel delivery to cover that time it takes for Amazon to decide to finally unload my, my stock, for example. That makes sense. And I guess what you're implying really is either if you're really doing this on a small scale, probably not the target listener, that, that you might have it in your flat or, or house, assuming you're in the same continent. <laughs> because if you're a UK-based seller, as many people listening are, many are American-based, by the way, but UK-based seller selling in America, you ain't got that option, right? So presumably you're talking about prep centers or really, by the sound of it, that's not really what they're designed to get stock moved through. You're talking about having a third-party uh, logistics or 3PL, right? Is that yeah. an obligatory part of your inventory yeah. management sort of supply chain setup? It's yeah, it's become more and more important to do that because the amount of li the the limitations that people have set on their accounts have caused that to be you know sometimes the only solution. So I think having a third party logistics where they can send you know inventory in in portions becomes important in you need to have the profit margin to be able to afford that extra step 
So that's becoming a challenge for some people, but it's one of those necessary evils that is, you know, kind of what Amazon is today. Yeah. And and by the way, I see a lot of people sort of drip feeding inventory. And so their primary warehouse as by design. And so Amazon is not stupid. They are, to be fair, managing a tsunami wave of demand from the end consumers, which means the tsunami wave of, of stock is, you know, waving towards the warehouses. And they are wanting to push us to store it off Amazon primarily and use the fulfillment centers for, there's a clue in the name, fulfillment, as in it goes in. And then it gets picked and packed and goes out again quickly. And I I don't really blame them for that. And the fulfillment center is in the overall sort of logistics chain, I guess, is a really expensive, sophisticated thing compared to a warehouse where stuff sits. Right. So I kind of get it. And I guess we've been spoiled, haven't we, by Amazon and we need to grow up. So to the point of, you know, people are bitching and moaning about the fact that that it costs them money. And God knows I, I get it. But it. If your margins were that thin to start with, then I guess you know this is one of the, the sort of pain points that's forcing us to grow up as businesses, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Am I just sort of you know defending Amazon here? It's a very unusual thing for me to even think of that I'm doing that. Yeah, it's it's exactly right. Well, I always like to whenever Amazon comes out with some sort of new policy or rule, I always like to you know ask even when it seems like it's so beneficial to us, what is it? What is in it for Amazon? You know, and the reasoning behind these this, these policies is that you're exactly right. I, I usually say, you know, Amazon does not want to be a storage facility. They want to be a distribution center. And this is, you know, years and years of letting us just kind of run wild with inventory has created this storage facility situation. And now they've created these hard, you know, fast rules that you know, are really painful for some sellers, but are forcing them back into their original business model. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, they've been putting, giving some pretty massive hints, like tripling the Q4 storage fees in North America. It's, that's not as well, at least in the USA. I don't know how it is in Canada and Mexico, but that's a fairly unsubtle hint. But people are now having to find the 3PL. So as you say, you've got to have the margin for that. Now, coming back to nevertheless, we, we don't probably want to spend our lives doing you know, tiny little ridiculous drip feeds and above all that disaster situation. So many people I hear about and all the time, uh, yeah. their, their storage fees are being reduced and then reduced and then reduced again. So how do we actually boost or at least stop that, that sort of regression of the various storage fees within the actual Amazon ecosphere, if you are the FCs? Yeah. So for Amazon, their most important metric is self-through, right? So what that means is that when you bring in inventory, Amazon wants to see it moving out. So, you know, in order to control that metric, you need to know what it's made up of. And what it's made up of is um, your 90 days worth of sales. And then within that same period, your average inventory that you're holding there. So you can do one of two things. You can either sell more stuff more quickly or, you know, it, or you can lower the amount of stuff that you're holding at the warehouse. Those are basically the two factors that Amazon most cares about. And if you look at what's called the inventory performance index score, it's made up of sell through, which is you know what we talked about, but then also excess inventory, which contributes to sell through, stranded inventory, which is inventory that can't be sold on Amazon for one reason or another, which also contributes to you know sell through, and then. Um, and then you're in stock rate. Because if you're out of stock, you're not selling through that in, through inventory, and you usually have your leftover stale inventory, you know, throwing off that calculation. So those are the factors that Amazon most cares about: is that you know, are you moving stuff through 
is, is, is that sell-through rate increasing or decreasing for you? Yeah, makes sense. And the, the nasty thing about this, of course, is that it's neither the sell-through rate, which implies, you know, you should just be lowering your price and, and boosting things if you're willing to take the sort of temporary hits, if you need to keep that channel open. But also being out of stock is also going to be punished. So it's not enough to just primitively go in one direction and panic. I guess it's got to be more nuanced, right? Which brings us really to accurate uh, prediction of sales and and stock which i know we're going to talk about separately because that's a slightly broader i guess not just amazon focused thing right but coming to the amazon specific thing i know that there's discussions around whether all of that needs to be fba sales but you're uh, you've got a view on fbm and how that contributes so tell me about fbm and in, in all this in other words fulfillment yeah. by merchant or merchant fulfill network whichever word yes. you want to call yeah, so there are a couple of things that some sellers don't know in terms of what contributes to restock limits and to sell through for Amazon. What is their algorithm? <clears throat> part of part of the, the algorithm, you know, we don't know everything that is involved in that. Some, you know, they say there's some seasonality involved in that and looking at the market and, you know, all of those complex things. But we do know that there are cumulative sales over a period of time. And so stocking out becomes a huge problem, you know, in terms of, of the, the cumulative sales. And so if you do are, you know, being thrust into a situation where you're stocking out, you know, sometimes it's, you know, something that you can't avoid, but sometimes it's, if you can plan for it, you can avoid, you can avoid it. And, you know, for example, someone's stocking out because Amazon hasn't checked in their stuff yet. I've heard that, you know, multiple times people stocked out because Amazon's got their stuff and they just haven't checked it in. Well, in those instances, if you had some extra inventory and it was at an external fulfillment center and you were in some way able to ship your customers the sales, the sales are happening on Amazon. They're being fulfilled somewhere else, but they're contributing to your restock limit. So multi-fulfillment by merchant sales do contribute to your restock limit. So if you do stock out at Amazon, if you're continuing to be able to fulfill the sales, sell and fulfill those sales through another distribution channel, then that will help you to not have those restock limits crash quite so much. Yeah, that makes sense. And and if you think about this logically, I mean, people act as if Amazon is out to get them, but that's a kind of, how can I put it, forgive me being rude, but paranoid and self-centered. I mean, like Amazon may well act like sharks, but sharks act the way they do for a reason. They're amoral, maybe, but they're not out to get anyone. They're just trying to eat. And I guess Amazon needs to manage its warehouses, make sure that it makes them kind of, well, I should say makes money. It's not a profit center. Loses them less than several billion dollars a month, probably. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous how expensive their fulfillment network is, actually, unsurprisingly, because America's huge and, and they have incredibly high standards and they deliver quickly. So, duh. And the other one is, obviously, if you use their platform and they get to use your, your advertising budget and they get your 15% sales commission or whatever it is, then obviously they get to benefit and they don't have the problem with the warehouse. So actually, it's obvious that they're going to like it, right? And obviously, you're confirming that it does actually work this way. But if you think about this stuff logically, I think if you see stuff from Amazon's point of view, I think it does help anyway, as as you've hinted before. So there's a, a few other things that the other thing that we have to get a head around is that massive change where we went from ASIN-based stock limits or individual products to the overall storage limit. So what are the pros and cons of, well, what are the bad and good sides of that? And how do we navigate that the best way? Yeah. So the, when it first got announced, it got announced on April 22nd of 2021. Uh, and people thought at the first gut reaction, they were, they were so excited because we don't have ASIN type limits. And ASIN type limits means that every single product has their own limit. 
And so it's every product has a limit based on how much it's selling. So, you know, that was restrictive. If you stock out on a product, you didn't have any way to recover that limit because Amazon is not giving you the benefit of the doubt of how much you would have sold if you hadn't stocked out. They just say, you sold this much. So that's what you get. When we went to storage type limits, everyone was excited until everyone's limits collapsed. So it was, you know, you might've had less limits than what you had before. And it was even worse because you might have your best seller has to share limits with all this excess inventory that you haven't moved for a year and a half or whatever it is that you've been holding. Now you have to figure out how to get that. They basically are like, okay, you, you know, you, you either stock out of your best seller or, you know, you pull this inventory out of our stock. It was kind of a, like a bandaid, the way that they, they organized things, but no one has started talking about how this might work for a benefit in that now when you stock out, you can potentially use some of that excess inventory to continue to bolster your sales, your restock limits, even if you stock out of your best seller. So you say you stock out of your best seller and you're losing, you know, let's say 500 sales a day or something crazy like that. Well, maybe you've got, you know, thousands of units of this other product that you can start moving that inventory until you come back in stock so that you don't completely collapse your restock limits. There's still that flexibility with storage type. Okay. So can you give me a bit of a concrete example so we can get our heads around this, uh, either in your own business or a client business, obviously with names of products excluded, obviously, but basics of it. Right. So, okay. So for example, you have a product, say it's selling, you know, 500 units a a day and you have this other product and there's, you know, say 2000 units. Now it's not a lot of, of inventory, but that say that product hasn't really, it's a slow mover. It's something that you've needed to to get rid of for a while, instead of pulling it from Amazon with a removal order, which would only free up the space, you could potentially drop the price or do a coupon discount or in some other way, create a flash sale and quickly burn through that inventory, you know, maybe at a reduced profit or even a loss. But what it's doing is that the 2000 units that you sell through during the time of this stockout will not only gain space in your inventory in your in your inventory capacity it'll also increase the velocity so that your velocity won't completely crash so that the next time your restock limit is assessed it's low that makes sense so you get to benefit really from i guess what in other words if you're removing it because it doesn't sell once you've removed it some warehouse it's not going to get any easier to sell it. Not only you could try and sell it on Amazon, but you're going to have to reduce the price. Now you've got to do FBM from somebody else's warehouse, assuming they actually fulfill stuff. Whereas, well, I guess what you're saying is you gain the space because it's moving out of the warehouse, but you're actually increasing the other side of the IPI, right? Which makes sense to me. And I think, you know, what you're saying is is really, and we talked about this and the sort of knock-on effects of being better business people. I've been kind of dropping ever bigger hints to the point of almost going on bended knee with, with I've got some clients with say a thousand SKUs or whatever, mostly if they're reselling other people's, but some not, they manufacture their own stuff, whatever the bigger companies and especially more established companies. They can have a lot of SKUs. Most of them never shift. And if they do, they actually sell at a, a, a paper thin profit at best. And they've been allowed by Amazon to get away with that, but it was terrible for their business anyway. So I think Amazon is forcing us to go through pain Mm-hmm. which is yes amazon's doing it for their own reasons obviously but i don't think they're trying to be evil but i think actually 
I've been begging people to do this anyway. Do you think that's, is that fair? Or am I just, again, is this kind of exaggerated response to this? No, I think, I think it's right. I think that not enough people understand the inventory and the financial aspects of their business. The, the industry as a whole has grown up as marketers and we have as marketers focused on, you know, revenue a lot, you know, the best, the, you know, the, the 80, 20 rule, it's the 20 that's been dragging us down and keeping us from being lean. And this, these new changes are forcing us as a, as, as sellers to have to essentially what I, what I call uh, market across your entire catalog. And so not just, you know, focusing on my best sellers and pushing my best sellers and pushing for revenue, but other things like, you know, if we talked about marketing in a vacuum, you know, you, People sometimes market into stockouts. That's got to be a thing of the past because of now how much more damaging stockouts are to your restock limits, not just your revenue and not just your profitability. And then on the other side of things, inventory has to be giving data. So, so marketing has to give data to inventory to tell them this is what my plan is. And inventory can say, you can't do that with this skew because this skew, this product is going to stock out if you implement that plan the other the other products are fine but if you implement the plan on this one it's going to stock out so don't do that that's one side of the coin the other side is that inventory now has to give data to marketing so that marketing can actually market across the entire catalog you know they have to tell them here's the products that are going to potentially stock out you need to shift you know your plan here's the, the products that are overstocked here are the products that you should probably liquidate Based on, you know, based on parameters, maybe, you know, five, five sales a day or less means liquidate for you. Maybe, you know, a slow seller's report, get these things selling, or we're going to have to move them into liquidation. So maybe between 20 and five and 20 sales a day is your slow sellers that they need to have attention on. So either on a weekly or a monthly basis, the inventory team should be sending, you know, those four reports, stock out, overstock, slow sellers, and liquidation to the marketing team and make the marketing team more responsible for creating a more fleshed out marketing plan than what they've been doing before, which is just focusing on the best sellers. Yeah, I love that response. I mean, it really, it's, I think uh, you're, you're not wrong about the, the marketing-led thing. It's, it's somehow because, I guess, FBA for a lot of us came, and certainly for me, we came about from being pitched into a course, and there's nothing terrible about that. But people who sell digital marketing courses, yeah, they may have been selling on Amazon, and as I have, and I've sold courses as well, but they are they have zero marginal cost. So you don't have a stock management problem, in essence, with digital stuff. And that sort of means that people, doesn't matter about how many people you sell into it, and they don't have to think about that. And then the second most grown-up people I know who have been around the block for a while realize that their financial management needs to be really good but the really really grown up people you're talking about inventory management integrated with marketing integrated I hope also with finance which you haven't even mentioned but uh, I'm not even going to go down that rabbit hole because that's huge unless you have a sort of quick comment on that yeah well my only comment is that yeah we recognize that that's the last piece to the puzzle it's kind of like this you know this cycle marketing inventory and finance. And if it doesn't all work together, then you're going to have some problems. And that's actually the next place that the, that SoStocks is going to be headed is building out uh, cash flow modeling. We have what we call inventory forecast modeling, and then you have cash flow modeling. So you can see what is it, you know, that's what you should be able to do is say, what if I did this, what would that look like? You know, and run a, a projection on inventory wise, what it would look like cash flow wise, what it could look like. And I think that's where the future is headed for uh, e-com sellers is being able to actually grow up into the business in that way. 
Yeah, and you're talking my language because I there's literally the stuff that I've been working, even with fairly early stage businesses. I said, right, the first thing we're going to do is a very guy, bright guy I've been working with, he's selling on bowl.com. It's exactly the same as Amazon. It's just smaller and less competitive. It's no different in terms of strategy. And he's been developing wonderful products and he's got his product sort of quality control going very well. He's managed to do design patent and stuff. And his marketing's been going well. And the first thing we did, I said, right, we need to get financial controls in place, not only to know what's going on, but he, he's got a, an amazing business partner who builds great spreadsheets, which emerged very quickly. I said, we need to do cash flow projections, not only cash flow projections, but we need to do a, a good, bad and medium sort of scenario. And then he's off raising money. And I guess then for us, the next side is going to be to integrate the stock management into that, which as he grows, the number of SKUs is more important. So as you say, it's all three sides. And I don't know, I must be some kind of major nerd, but actually I get way more excited about that that integration than anything else. Because for me, once you've got a, a virtuous cycle that you can kick off and that is working and that business model is really what's driving our wealth, I think, rather than Amazon or the latest hack, which I, I just think is a beautiful thing because it's just the way of thinking of the great business people, right? It's It's about one thing turns into another thing turns into another thing in a way that is integrated. So talking of integration, I know you guys have got a, a downloadable spreadsheet that is really about getting the marketing team to communicate with the inventory team, which is absolutely necessary, particularly yeah. after today's call. So where do people go? Tell us a little bit more about that and where do people go to get that? Yes. So yeah, so we can provide a link. It's actually a longer link, but um, if you go to our blog, you can find it on the the column within our blog, which is at sostock.com. I can, of course, send you a link to it to include in the show notes, but that is, it's basically what it is. It's an inventory, we call it inventory-minded marketing spreadsheet. And it's for your team to be able to, your marketing team to be able to put all of the data about what their plans are so that they can pass it to the inventory team so that the inventory team can then vet those plans and, and plan for, you know, placing orders, you know, sooner than they need to, or letting the, you know, the marketing team know what's not going to be able to work, what's going to cause a stock out, et cetera. Great. Well, what we'll do is, and because long URLs are a bit horrible on podcasts and not everyone's going to go to the show notes, let's say you go to amazingfba.com forward slash stock sheet. Then we'll, we'll redirect to that because that sounds to me too important to miss. I mean, I just think in the end, I, I always just feel very, very good about a conversation with a client about this stuff because I know that this is really going to save their ass if they really implement it. You know, so a lot of businesses aren't just looking at lower profit at the moment. They're looking at going down the pan because there's so much cost in the inventory side at the moment. And, you know, you're not logistics experts. So I'm going to pin you down on that. But I certainly think the good management is, is likely to save them. Now, obviously, you guys offer some more services uh, than just, you know, a downloadable spreadsheet. So tell us what, what you do for people if they choose to work with you. Yes. So SoStock was created because I was having trouble myself with inventory management. And so what we basically did was to build an inventory management tool that really works for people. You know, it, there were too many people that I knew that were saying, we've tried all the software out there, nothing works we're back to spreadsheets. So we took the idea of what is it about spreadsheets that works? What is it about spreadsheets that doesn't work? And why do people choose spreadsheets over, you know, these fancy algorithms and these fancy software? And that's what we put into the tool. Initially brought a bunch of sellers in and then just collaborated with them, got all the ideas of how, how do you need this thing to operate? What's most important to you? What are the bells and whistles and the tools that you need to really understand 
you know, how to build a forecast and then how to organize the data so that you can actually take action on it and you can make sure that you're not missing out on, you know, inventory orders, et cetera. So that's really what SoStock is. You know, if you're interested in checking it out, if you can go to SoStock.com, you can also check out a free demo. We have demo, SoStock.com forward slash book dash demo. <laughs> okay, that's quite the URL. So that, that sounds really good. So again, let's do a redirect for that. So amazingfba.com forward slash SoStocked. S-O-S-T-O-C-K-E-D. So we'll, we'll do a redirect for that as well so people can get to that more easily. <laughs> Amazingfba.com forward slash so stock. So that sounds really good. So it's a demo of of the of the software. And, you know, as I said, and I, this is a serious point that a really pretty serious seller in a very serious group of people that I know in the UK who've been around the block and who do good numbers and have survived and are profitable in most cases anyway, certainly surviving, said this is the best software out there for the purpose. And I've, I've interviewed a few people for software um purposes and it is hard to get something that's right i would say to be fair to any software they it's going to be part of an overall understanding skill set and mindset and i hopefully we've we've helped with that piece as well so that's that's it as far as this episode is concerned i think we need to talk about the calculations of future stock needs well we'll do a sort of super quick overview of that before yes. you dash off and then we may have to get you back on the show because this is one of the topics that's near and dear to my heart but for the moment chelsea cohen of so stocked Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.